0: You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. On this fifth episode of Father Stephen McDonald's personal retreat on the Sacred Heart, he continues with the theme of forgiveness and mercy of the Sacred Heart. If you are able to help support the work of the SSPX Podcast and keep these personal retreats and stories going, please visit sspxpodcast.com and there you can find information on how to make a recurring donation to the podcast. Five, ten, even twenty dollars a month would greatly help the work of this apostolate. It takes a great amount of time and resources to put these together, and your contributions will help to make the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism more accessible to more people. Now, here's Father McDonald. We considered in the previous conference the parable of the prodigal son, and in it we see the importance of confidence in God's mercy, the good shepherd's love and concern for the sinner the lost sheep. The Sacred Heart, of course, has a burning desire to show mercy and wishes to inspire in souls a great confidence in His mercy, in His forgiveness. This confidence in God's mercy should be a hallmark of our devotion to the Sacred Heart. Like humility, our Lord's whole life was an act of mercy a life which should inspire us with confidence, a life which should inspire us and move us to show mercy to all that we meet, to imitate the great mercy of the Sacred Heart. Our Lord Himself said, "'The Son of Man came not to destroy souls, but to save.'" When He preached His great Sermon on the Mount, which we find in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. He reminds us in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It is when we show mercy to others that we are afforded mercy. We say it every day when we pray the great prayer of our Lord himself, the Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our Lord shows great mercy to all that he meets, that all that he encounters. We see in the Gospel of St. Matthew a beautiful story in which our Lord heals the man sick of the palsy. We find it in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And entering into a boat, he passed over the water and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him one sick of the palsy lying in a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the man sick of the palsy, Be of good heart, son, thy sins are forgiven thee. And behold, some of the scribes said within themselves, He blasphemeth. And Jesus, seeing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then said he to the man sick of the palsy, Arise, Take up thy bed and go into thy house. And he arose and went into his house. And the multitude, seeing it, feared and glorified God that gave such power to men. Our Lord shows a great mercy in healing this man of his physical ailment. But much more importantly, our Lord reads the depths of his heart, sees he is in need of forgiveness of his sins. And that's the great mercy of our Lord going about curing physical ills and ailments, yes, but most especially curing our our spiritual ills. Our Lord would, of course, heal many men throughout his public life. The man languishing 38 years under an ailment, waiting to catch the movements of the water in the, the pools of the temple. Our Lord curing the blind man, blind from birth, a magnificent scene in which our Lord reveals himself to this blind man as the Son of Man, the Son of God. He would cast out legions of devils, curing men of the ailments that they suffered under. Our Lord, though, of course, teaches the great importance of showing mercy, forgiveness to those who have offended us. We find him teaching the great parable of the wicked servant, which we find in the Gospel, of, again, of St. Matthew, in this case, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother offend against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith it to him, I say not to thee till seven times, but till seventy times seven times. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a king, who would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to take the account, one was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. And as he had not wherewith to pay it, his Lord commanded that he should be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. But that servant falling down besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant, being moved with pity, let him go and forgave him the debt." But when that servant was gone out, he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred pence. And laying hold of him, he throttled him, saying, Pay what thou owest." And his fellow servant falling down besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he paid the debt. Now his fellow servants, seeing what was done, were very much grieved. And they came and told their lord all that was done. Then his Lord called him and said to him, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt, because thou besoughtest me. Should not thou have then had compassion also on thy fellow servant, even as I had compassion on thee. And his Lord being angry delivered him to the torturers until he paid all the debt. So also shall my heavenly father do to you if you forgive not every one his brother from your hearts. It's a very striking parable. St. Peter, of course, asks our Lord, how often should we forgive our neighbor? When they offend us, should we forgive them over and over? And St. Peter, thinking he's being very generous, of course, asks our Lord, should I forgive him? Should I forgive him seven times? Seven being the scriptural number of perfection, of completeness. And yet our Lord answers not seven times, but 70 times seven. You are to forgive them every time they ask for this forgiveness. That's the mercy of the sacred heart, a willingness to forgive, a desire to forgive. And not just once, not just twice, but every time. And to drive this point home, he gives this very powerful parable of the wicked servant. How this servant is forgiven a great debt. Not just given more time, but forgiven the debt how he should have been so grateful, how he should have been so astounded by the mercy, the generosity of his Lord, and how he should have been willing to show the same generosity and mercy to those that he encountered. And yet, what does he do? Immediately upon receiving this great act of mercy, he encounters a fellow servant who owes him a minimal amount, much smaller than the amount he owed his Lord. And when that servant His brother, an equal, begs for just a bit more time. What does he do? He throttles him, and he demands what is owed. And the fellow servants, of course, are scandalized by this behavior, and they immediately report it to the Lord, who then punishes rightly this wicked servant. And our Lord himself gives us the very powerful meaning of the parable— if you forgot, so also shall my heavenly Father do to you, if you forgive not everyone his brother from your hearts. If we wish to have mercy shown to us, we must show mercy. One of the classic scenes, one of the most beautiful scenes that we find in the gospel is in the gospel of St. John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, the very famous scene of our Lord And the woman taken in adultery. And Jesus went unto Mount Olivet. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him. And sitting down he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees bring unto him a woman taken in adultery. And they set her in the midst. And said to him, Master, this woman was even now taken in adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us to stone such a one. But what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him, that they might accuse him. But Jesus, bowing himself down, wrote with his finger on the ground. When therefore they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again stooping down, he wrote on the ground. But they, hearing this, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. And Jesus alone remained, and the woman standing in the midst." Then Jesus, lifting up himself, said to her, Woman, where are they that accuse thee? Hath no man condemned thee? Who said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither will I condemn thee. Go and now sin no more. It's such a powerful scene, such a beautiful example of our Lord's mercy to the sinner. In this case, someone who's very clearly been convicted of sin. She was found in the very act. But our Lord gives a beautiful lesson, a beautiful willingness to forgive and give another chance. This poor, unfortunate soul caught in the act of adultery, is dragged before our Lord. And the scribes and Pharisees who's a, who, as we've said, constantly were at in battle with our Lord, constantly wishing to trap our Lord, think they have Him in a perfect dilemma. Dear Lord, what should we do with this woman? Even now she was taken in adultery. Now the law says that she must be stoned. This is the great Mosaic law, which all law-abiding Jews would certainly respect. Or do we show her mercy, forgiveness? Again, it's a dilemma they think they have our Lord trapped in. Because if our Lord were to say, well, no, it's according to the law, she must be stoned, they could simply turn around and say, see, he's not as merciful as he preaches. He's constantly telling us to turn the other cheek, to walk the extra mile. And yet here he is so willing to condemn this poor, wretched soul. However, if our Lord were to say, no, we must show forgiveness. We must show mercy. We must spare her life. They can turn around and say, see, he is against the Mosaic law. He's turning the people away from our traditions. Either way, these scribes and Pharisees, these hypocrites, these whited sepulchers, believe they have our Lord trapped. And our Lord's answer is so perfect, of course. So wise, of course. He simply bends down and begins writing in the dirt, in the sand. The fathers of the church commenting on this this scene speculate that our Lord may have been writing the very sins of these scribes and Pharisees in the sand right before their eyes. Pride, ambition, lack of charity, whatever it may be. And then finally, our Lord would look up and say, No, you're right. The law is the law, and it says she must be stoned. But let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Because only he who is absolutely sinless, only he who has never transgressed the law, has a right to condemn someone else. Human weakness being what it is, if we're going to condemn someone for that weakness, then it must be from someone who is perfect, who is without sin. So whoever that is, let him be the one that cast the first stone. And then our Lord immediately goes back to writing in the sand. And the gospel tells us one by one, beginning with the eldest, the wisest, who now come to realize that they are not fit to cast these stones. One by one, they drop what they were holding and they walk away until finally the woman taken in adultery is alone with our Lord. And he looks up to her and says, is there no one here to condemn you? And she answers, no man, Lord. And he simply tells her, then neither will I, but go sin no more. This is the command of our Lord when he shows us mercy, when he forgives us our sins. You have had a great gift given to you. Now do not squander it. Go and sin no more. Live a life of grace. Live a life of holiness. Live a life of union with God. One last example from the Gospels which perfectly express our Lord's great and loving mercy is the scene after his resurrection on the seashore in which he forgives St. Peter for his triple transgression, his triple denial. We find it in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. When therefore they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith to him, Yes, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me. Peter was grieved, because he had said to him the third time, Lovest thou me. And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, feed my sheep. It's so beautiful. Of course, Peter had, in his great fervor, told our Lord he would never betray him, although all the others might betray him, not Peter. And yet our Lord had predicted, before the cock crowed three times, you will have denied me three times. And when, of course, it happens And our Lord, being led out of the judgment seat, looks upon Peter. It says that Peter weeps. He recognizes immediately his sin. And tradition tells us that Peter wept the rest of his life for this uh, transgression, this triple denial. But our Lord would not leave him in this state of woe. Our Lord would not allow him to languish with this burden. And so our Lord allows him to make up for it, to make up for the triple denial by a triple affirmation of his love. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And in the end, our Lord confirms that Peter is still going to be his vicar on earth, that despite his failing, despite his weakness, despite his denial, our Lord would not take what he had given to Peter to be the rock upon which the church would be built. It's so beautiful, such an act of mercy and love on the part of our Lord Jesus Christ, and such an encouragement for us when we falter, when we fail. Our Lord seeks after us and extends his mercy and his forgiveness. He extends his great love for all of us. The Sacred Heart, of course, loves mercy. And he wishes us to have confidence in his mercy. In fact, he seeks out the sinner in order to show mercy. And one of the great laments of the Sacred Heart when he appeared to St. Margaret Mary was the lack of confidence men have in his mercy. It's not so much that men sin, because our Lord understands human weakness, although he wishes, of course, we would not sin, he understands we are weak, he understands we are sinful. But what he does lament is the lack of confidence that men have in his mercy. That somehow when we falter and we fall, we bury ourselves in misery and discouragement and despair, forgetting that our Lord loves to forgive, loves to show mercy. Our sins do not deter his desire to show mercy. There's a beautiful passage in the notes Retreat Notes of St. Claude Colembert, who was the great spiritual director of St. Margaret Mary. He's writing from a retreat in Lyon, France in the year 1674. He says, The love of our Lord's heart was in no way diminished by the treason of Judas, the flight of the apostles, and the persecution of his enemies. Jesus was only grieved at the harm they did themselves. His sufferings helped to assuage his grief, because he saw in them a remedy for the sins committed by his enemies, the Sacred Heart was full of most tender love. There was no bitterness in it, no cruelty and injustice that he received. I'm sorry, no cruelty and injustice that he received moved it to feelings other than those of compassion and affection. I turned to Mary and asked her to obtain for me the grace to imitate our Lord's heart. I saw how perfectly her heart copied his. She loved those who put her son to death and offered him to God the Father for them. This enkindled a very great love of virtue in my heart. And then he prays, O sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary, truly worthy of possessing all hearts and of reigning over men and angels, you shall be my models. I will try to copy you. May my heart live always in the hearts of Jesus and Mary and may their hearts live in mine so that I may never do anything that is not in accordance with them. Our Lord wishes to show his love and mercy to us. In fact, he once told St. Margaret Mary, quote, Believe in my love. Fear not, it is I, Jesus. Love me, give me your whole heart, and make me loved, for I am Jesus. Unquote. It's so simple, and yet so profound. Believe in him because he is Jesus. Because he is our Savior, as his very name denotes, because he has shown us such mercy and forgiveness, because he loves to show mercy, we must believe in him. We must have confidence in him. And the Sacred Heart desires our confidence. He desires us to trust in his mercy. Father Mateo, again in his classic work, Jesus, King of Love, gives us a beautiful story of a penitent, Who lacks this trust and confidence, who, in a sense, agonizes over her sins, and yet our Lord very lovingly comes to her to cure her of this lack of confidence, to instill in her a great trust. He says, To his entreaties, some oppose the argument of unworthiness and respect, as if he could not offer freely all the treasures of his tenderness or as if he were the monopoly of the just, or of those who think themselves worthy of his graces. One would say that such Christians have the pretension to set right a God who appears guilty of exaggeration in seeking to associate his immortal life with ours. When he advances, these souls retreat. When he says, "'Come to me, all ye that labor and are burdened,' they seem to repeat the cry of the demoniac in the gospel. "'What have we to do with thee, Son of God?' Hast thou come here to torment us before the time? And the hapless souls flee from him. They forget that between the father sitting in judgment and us, the rebels, the merciful son has interposed himself as a bridge of hope by which we who are guilty may be pardoned and drawn near our God and father. My little children, he is saying, cross by this bridge, for I am the crucified. Fear not, cross by it, for I am the way." Why are you trembling? Pass over it, meditating on my cross, my Calvary, and my Eucharist. Go forward in peace, and with full trust, I wish to fill the abyss of your fear with the abyss of my tenderness. But I beseech you, do not reopen the abyss of suspicion and reserve, which I have suppressed by my incarnation and my Eucharist. Souls of little faith, do do you not see that the greatest of your faults, the source of so many others, and that which most offends me, is your lack of trust. And you trembling souls who are never satisfied with your confessions, ever doubting the pardon for sins already confessed, listen to the following story. One of the many souls who regard Jesus as a tyrant was preparing to make a general confession for the hundredth time. Restlessly, she spent the days of her retreat writing down the sins of her whole life, She neither meditated nor prayed. She was entirely absorbed in an examination which stifled her. At last she went into the confessional. She read out the list of her sins, repeating and explaining over and over again in fear and trembling. When at length she thought she had finished, a voice was heard which gently and very sadly said, you have forgotten something very important. I thought I must have, she answered, terror stricken, and hastily prepared to read it all over again. Your sin is not in your notes, continued the voice, and it offends me much more than all that you have said. Accuse yourself of lack of trust. That voice moved her to the depths, and she sought to ascertain if it was really her confessor's. The confessional was empty. Jesus had come to give her a supreme lesson. Our Lord wishes us to have confidence and trust. Scripture itself says that though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. But for that, we must have confidence and trust in our Lord's mercy, even if no one else does. And our Lord will show mercy to us, even if no one else does. Again, let me just quote another story from Jesus, King of Love, by Father Matteo. There is a very beautiful story of a miraculous crucifix. At its foot, a sincerely repentant sinner was making his confession. His sins were so great that the confessor hesitated for a moment to give him absolution. But moved by the man's tears, he said, I will absolve you, but take care not to fall again. After some time, the penitent returned. I have struggled bravely, Father, But in a moment of weakness, I have relapsed, and I came at once humbly to reconcile myself with God. No, said the confessor, this time I cannot give you absolution. But Father, have pity on me. Remember that my soul is still very weak after a long and serious illness. Have pity, I am truly sincere. With great hesitation and after severely censoring him, the priest once more gave him absolution. The penitent was truly contrite, but after a long period of perseverance, the habit of so many years of sin, plus his whole nature, corrupted and deadened by vice, combined to break down his good resolutions. He hastened to his confessor with simplicity and confidence in order to regain the grace of God. This time I cannot absolve you, said the confessor. You are not sorry. In vain the poor man wept implored argued I am weak not wicked he said I want to be faithful but to do that I need the pardon for which I beg I cannot said the priest and he rose to go away trying to break loose from the penitent who was holding him with both hands at this moment a sigh of immense love and compassion was heard both at once looked up what did they see the breast of the crucified heaving with emotion his eyes full of tears and his right hand unnailed. Then they heard his gentle voice saying, as he made the sign of the cross, I myself forgive thee, for thy soul is the gem for which I shed my blood. It's such a magnificent and beautiful example of the mercy of our Lord. He died for us. And of course, our Lord does nothing in vain. He wishes to save us. He wishes to forgive us. And therefore, we must have the greatest confidence in his mercy. Mercy is a hallmark of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to simply abandon ourselves to him, the Good Shepherd, who seeks after us, who desires to forgive us, who wishes to share his mercy with us. And all he asks in return is that we go and sin no more. But if we do, we go immediately back to our Lord and ask for forgiveness, having the greatest confidence that he will show us his mercy. And then we go and we show mercy to others. Our Lord has given us the perfect motive for having confidence in his mercy. He reminds us he is the good shepherd. He knows us. He knows us by name and he loves us. We must have confidence in his mercy. We must have confidence in his love for the sinner who desires to repent. And therefore, we must seek God's mercy with the greatest trust, showing mercy to others in imitation of the Sacred Heart. The Apostle of the Sacred Heart will always live by that beautiful beatitude of our Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy.